0: Hi, this is The Gathering Church in Windsor, Ontario, and I'm Pastor Garth Lino. Welcome to our podcast. At the close of an important speech to Congress on January 6, 1941, President Franklin Roosevelt, he shared the vision, the vision of Of a country, the kind of world that he would love to see at the close of World War II, what he desired. And he envisioned four basic freedoms that he wanted to be enjoyed by all people. The first was freedom of speech, then freedom of worship, freedom from want, and freedom from fear. Now, to some degree, those freedoms have been achieved on a wider scale since 1941, more than in 1941. But the world still needs another freedom. There was one he was missing. A fifth freedom. The most crucial freedom, actually. We need freedom from ourselves. Freedom from our sinfulness. Freedom from the the tyranny of the flesh, as we're going to talk about, that, that can affect and control and pull and dominate us. And this is the kind of freedom that the gospel offers. It's the kind of freedom that comes from the Holy Spirit as He lives in us, as we believe the gospel, as we respond to the gospel. The Holy Spirit of God begins to dwell in us and begin to change us, and we begin to experience this freedom. And it is this kind of freedom that the churches in Galatia had tasted. They had started this way. They heard the gospel that Paul preached. They responded in faith. The Spirit moved and began to change their lives. However, as we've heard, as we've seen, as we've been going through this series, false brothers from Jerusalem, Judaizers, they come to town and they're imposing legalistic requirements on these new Gentile Christians. They brought with them another gospel, which as we know is a false gospel. No gospel at all. A gospel that valued external works. A gospel that actually drew people away from the grace of God. A gospel message, a false gospel message that drew people away from freedom back into slavery with Old Testament uh, rules and regulations. When we have seen Paul go to agonizing lengths, to try to remind the Galatians what the true gospel is over and over and over again to encourage these believers to stand firm in the freedom that that gospel gives. And last week we heard a passionate, a fantastic call for us as well to not submit to slavery again, to stand firm, to not let anyone cut in on us, to not let anyone hinder us as we try to run this marathon race called the Christian life. And we're going to look at our text today. We're going to see Paul continue to go in and continue to explain what this Christian freedom is. And he's going to say, all Christians, all Christians, they must live a life that's led by the Holy Spirit in order to fight against sin and in order to grow in godliness. That's that's the recipe. It's not external law-keeping. It's a life of the Holy Spirit clinging to the Gospel. So if you've got your Bibles, let's turn to Galatians 5. We're going to read verse 13 to 26. And I pray that all of our hearts and our eyes, our minds would be open to learn how to live in this freedom. That we too could be led by the Spirit to overcome sin, to grow in godliness. Galatians 5, starting at verse 13. It says, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Father, I just pray that as we look at Your Word, that Your Spirit would would work in our hearts, in our lives. As Pastor Garth has prayed, we need You. Without you this is just kind of a vain exercise. So I pray that you would come and that you would change us. If we don't know you that that we would come to know you, if we do know you that we would grow more in our faith. I pray this in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. So once again we have a lengthy passage that we're going to dive into. We're going to start right back at the start there, verse 13 to 15, that little uh, chunk there. And Pastor Gareth actually kind of touched on this a little bit last week. This idea that our freedom from the law, our freedom from sin, doesn't mean that now we're free to just sin and live however we want. We have been set free. Jesus paid the penalty for us, for every single sin, past, present, and future. That's when you're supposed to say, Amen. Because it's really, really cool. (laughs) Um, But if we think that since there's grace, since there's forgiveness, since Jesus paid that for me, that now I can just indulge in sin because it's already been paid for, then we're dead wrong. We're dead wrong. One, One preacher put it this way. I love this. He says, if you think God's grace to you is a license for you to sin... You don't understand God's grace at all. He says, you you don't get grace. Or actually, maybe more importantly, he says, maybe grace never got you. If that's how you think. Because the Holy Spirit doesn't work in our lives to set us free to walk into more sin. The Holy Spirit sets us free according to verse 13. Don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. The Holy Spirit sets us free to love and serve one another. So if you're writing anything down this morning, you can write that down. Living by the Spirit equals loving and serving one another. This is what we see here. Like we've said, forgiveness and God's grace, not a license to sin. They're motivators for obedience. Just, I mean, let's just look at the cross for just a second. Or maybe you can close your eyes for a second. Just think about the gospel. Just think about what Jesus has done for us. Think about what he suffered. Think about what he endured. Think about him dying, but think about him rising again. Just think and pause, Just, just for a second. Just think, even just look at the cross. Just think about that. See, when we, when we take time to orient ourselves, when we take time to think about the Gospel and to think about the cross, it should stir up within us a response of, of faith, a response of surrender, a response of obedient, a response of offering our lives. It should never stir up within us of, oh, thanks for doing that, Jesus. Now we get to go do what I want. It should just never work that way. If you have your Bibles, quickly turn. It's going to come up on the screen as well, but a familiar passage, Romans 12, 1 and 2. It just kind of helps reinforce this again. Romans 12, 1 and 2. It says, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, which is essentially chapters 1 to 11 of Romans, which you should just read later on today. It says, In all that God has done, all the mercy of God, what's the response? Live as you want? No. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So Paul says, don't use your freedom to indulge. Use your freedom to serve. Use your freedom to love. Jesus has loved you so much. So now as a response, learn to love others. Jesus has served you so much. As a response, you live your life to serve others. And then he moves on. He says, the whole law is fulfilled or the whole law is summed up in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Well, if you think about that for just a second, if you and I truly love each other, truly love each other, even just the people in this room, if we truly love each other, we are going to fulfill the moral law of God because we're not going to lie to each other or about each other. We're not going to steal from each other if we truly love each other. We're not going to steal from one another. We're not going to envy one another. We're not going to intentionally seek to hurt each other if we really love each other. And so we will fulfill the law of God in our interactions with each other. You see, because we are called to worship God, to love people, and to use things. Use things like bikes and whatever, and t-shirts. But see, this is what happens. Far too often, we use people, we love ourselves, and we worship things. And God is totally left out of the picture. It's backwards. Thankfully, though, thankfully, God is very patient, He's very gracious, and He gives us His Spirit to help us get these priorities straight. Which is really good news. Verse 15. If you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. I don't know what church services you guys have been to before. I've never gone in and had someone try to bite me. Um, I don't know if they were literally uh, chomping each other. I hope not. That would be really weird. But obviously, there's some kind of conflict going on in the churches there. We're not sure what exactly the conflict was. There's divisions. There's fighting. Maybe it was some people who were indulging in their freedoms and choosing sin, and so that was causing some conflict. Or maybe there were some people who were pushing back against the Judaizers, against their legalistic teaching, and there's conflict that way. But either way, there's conflict, there's sin, it's damaging the church. And Paul's saying, this sin needs to be dealt with. And it needs to be dealt with in each individual life. If a a church has a sin problem, it means that each individual, like, there's, a church entity doesn't sin. Individuals in the church sin. And so we each have to uh, reconcile these sin, and Paul's solution to fighting the sin and identifying the sin comes to us in verse 16. He says, "I say, "Walk by the spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh." He says, "Walking by the spirit helps us to fight our sin." So you can write that down again. Living by the Spirit equals fighting against our sin. Really, really simple. And I'm going to kind of break down this verse a little bit, uh, just in case there's any uh, confusion. What is flesh? What does it mean to walk by the Spirit? Questions that I had growing up as well. Just quickly, our flesh, when it's, and the Bible's talking about our flesh, it's another way of saying, maybe you have a, a Bible translation that says it this way sinful nature or uh, sinful desires, sinfulness, our old self, the person who we were before we responded to the gospel, before we became a Christian. Our natural tendency, since Adam and Eve, is to rebel. Our natural tendency is to seek ourselves, to, to walk in pride, to, to cr- satisfy the cravings of our own desires. But when Jesus comes in and, and we believe the Gospel, there now is an impartation of the Spirit of God into our lives. He regenerates us. He makes us new. Gives us a new heart with new desires. And then we have this ability to walk by the Spirit. What does that mean? Anybody know what it means to walk by the Spirit? Hands up. There's a few cautious hands. Alright, that means that we need to all be here right now. Because growing up, I didn't know what it meant. I had read this passage, I had been to church, and I would heard people kind of not explain it. And I always thought it was this very super spiritual thing. Like, really super spiritual, that these upper class Christians did that I didn't. So that God would directly speak to me and say, Phil, walk this way. Do this right now. Specifically, wear that purple shirt. And do... I thought it was something like that. Walk by the Spirit. It's, it's so direct and so clear. But I don't think it's that. What does it mean to walk by the Spirit? What does it mean to keep in step by the Spirit? Live by the Spirit, depending on your translation? I think it means couple of things, two things. One, I think it means making deliberate decisions to follow God's ways. Deliberate decisions to follow God's ways. Right? So, think about physically walking. I'm going to say, I'm going to start this way. I'm making a deliberate decision to turn my body and begin headed that way. That's only half of it, though. Because unless I have some kind of power, some kind of energy, some kind of something to propel my leg forward, I'm not going to get there. But when I have some kind of power and my brain can say, go to the piano, go to the piano, go to the piano. But unless my body kicks in and empowers me to go to the piano, I'm not going to go. So this is the second part. So we have deliberate decisions to follow God, but then also the empowerment by God's Spirit himself to carry out those decisions. This is incredible. God's Spirit helps us obey God. Think about that. God's Spirit helps us to obey God. So you're not trying to do it on your own. So we intentionally seek after God. We intentionally seek His kingdom. And we receive His power along the way. So while I was prepping the sermon, I went on a walk. And I, and I was walking, and I'm thinking, oh, walking by the Spirit. I'm walking right now. And I just was trying to clear my head. And I was just like, I had this moment. I just stopped. I stopped walking, took a couple deep breaths, and I just looked around. I actually just walked around this building and there's some shrubs and I was like, just looking at the shrubs and I saw a couple flowers and I was like, oh, that's nice. But I realized, if I had not have stopped, I would not have seen those flowers. Sometimes we we can get um, so focused on walking, so focused on a direction that, that we don't even ever stop and pause. And I do believe that learning to walk by the Spirit does mean sometimes to pause and to rest and to look around And see what God's doing. Sometimes we can get so passionate, we can get so fired up, we can get so eager, we're just, whoo! And God's like, oh, you're going actually faster than I want you to go. Slow down for just a second. That's what I think it means. Walking by the Spirit. Actively listening, actively seeking, actively obeying God's ways and drawing on His power to do so. And so then it says in 16 again, we walk by the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. You will not. You will not. If you're walking by the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. That means it's possible not to sin. It's actually possible not to sin. I'm not, I'm not standing up here and saying, oh, you're going to be perfect and, and sinless perfection uh, this side of eternity. But the Word of God is saying that you don't have to give in to sin. As a believer, you, you can choose. Because of our freedom in the Gospel, because of the Holy Spirit's power in our lives, we can look at sin and say, no. And we can look at righteousness and godliness and say, yes, we can do that. That's what looking, uh, walking by the Spirit means. Looking at sinful desires and saying, No. No, I don't have to. 1 Corinthians 10.13. It's going to come up on, on the screen as well, I believe. It says this. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, He will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. We can say no to sin. It's possible. And as we grow in our faith, we should be able to say no more often. We can look at a temptation. We can look at a sinful situation and say, no, I don't have to do that anymore. That's the old me. I'm done with living that way. I'm walking this way now. And I'm walking with the Holy Spirit's power to carry on in this direction. I'm seeking God. I'm going this way. I want to be clear. That doesn't mean that the fight against sin and saying no to sin is going to be easy. Look at verse 17. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. There is a constant battle in all Christians Every day to live either according to the flesh, the sinful nature, the old ways, or according to the spirit, the new nature, the new ways. Newsflash, this is the Christian life. It is a battle. It's a fierce battle, but it's normal. So if you think that um, it's not a battle, sorry, it, it is. Every day, the desires are against each other. So you wake up, there's desires pulling you one way, desires pulling you another way. But if you're here this morning and maybe you're like, oh man, I I feel this tug. I feel like there is this battle and it's weighing me down. I want to encourage you for a second because if there's those struggles, the battle isn't a sign of something wrong in your life. The battle is a sign there's something right in your life. That the Holy Spirit is at work. That there is a desire to choose God's ways. That there's a desire, however small it may be, there's a desire to say no to sin and to pursue godliness. That's exciting. That should encourage you. The fact that there is that tension. One man uh, had recently come to faith and he he set up a meeting to talk with his pastor about this very thing. He said he felt like he had two dogs inside of him. Two dogs inside of him. uh, that are always fighting. One dog was trying to drag him back into the sinful ways. And this other dog was trying to now drag him and pull him towards godliness. And as he was sharing this, the pastor said, oh, that's very interesting. So um, may I ask you, which dog wins more often? The man kind of just stopped for a second. Which dog wins? And he said, the one I feed more. The one I feed more. Which dog are you feeding more? Are we intentionally cultivating godliness? Are we intentionally desiring to seek God's ways? Are we uh, through prayer, through studying the Word, through coming together in worship, through fellowship, are we intentionally making those decisions? Deciding, yes Lord, I'm going to walk your way. Or are we just lazily roaming about and and yielding to, to old sinful ways? Because learning to walk by the Spirit, learning to live by the Spirit, isn't going to happen magically. It's not just going to be like, you wake up, oh, I know how to do it now, everything's great, I'm never going to sin ever again. Pursuing God's ways takes intentionality. Deliberate decisions every day. can't take a day off. Your daily routine, maybe you wake up, you're in the shower, and you're just like, oh, this is a great time for me to say, Lord, help me. Help me to live by Your Spirit. Even now, I've just woken up. I'm just in the shower. Maybe you're driving and you've got your commute. That's a great time. Okay, Lord, fill me with Your Spirit. Help me to choose Your ways. What I listen to, what I don't listen to, even as I'm driving. You're at lunch break. And there's, there's opportunity to join in with some kind of course, joking, some kind of we're just ridiculous conversations. You've got that choice to say, Lord, help me to choose this. Help me to choose righteousness. Come home, walking the dog. You don't want to walk the dog or whatever. All these things. Lord, help me. You're brushing your teeth. You're just about to go to bed. You've got a few minutes left. Lord, help me. Even these last few minutes to honor you. Your kid cries and screams in the middle of the night. And you're trying to sleep. And you're just filled with frustration and anger and impatience. You're like, why won't you sleep, child? Lord, help me not to be angry at the child. Help me to be filled with your love for this child and, and patience. And, and let me depend on you when I don't get sleep. Lord, help me. Lord, help me. Every day, help me. Oh, last night. Okay. It's all right. As we move along in the text here, we see these tangible examples of sinful living versus the godly living. The list, right? Sexual morality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger. It goes on and on and on. A whole bunch of really nasty things. And then we get to verse 22, the fruit of the Spirit, which you probably heard as a verse growing up. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. What we see is that learning to live by the Spirit, learning to walk by the Spirit, brings life change. And if you're writing anything down, there's a third thing you can write down. Living by the Spirit equals life change. There's, the, this section of, of verses present a stark contrast in lifestyles. They describe what a changed life through faith in the Gospel looks like. What it looks like for someone to learn to be led by the Spirit. I'm not going to do these things anymore, and now I'm starting to pursue pursue these things. They're growing in me, they're happening. See, another way of saying fruit of the Spirit is evidence of living by the Spirit, evidence of of choosing God's ways, evidence of surrendering. And and what's the result? Radical life change. Look at those lists again. Even today, tonight, before you go to bed. Wow, look at the sinful list. Look at the fruit of the Spirit. They're so different. Because God is in the business of changing lives. Christians should look more and more like God and, and, and His characteristics and His character and qualities and should look less and less like the rest of the world. That, that's what should happen. I mean, you look at what living by the, the, the Spirit does. From enmity, you have love. From strife, there's peace. From jealousy, now there's kindness. From fits of anger, there's patience. From drunkenness, there's self-control. Completely different ways of living. Because you tried really hard and changed yourself, right? No. Because the Spirit of God is alive and working in you and is bringing about life change. And this is what we're excited about. This is what we're about at the gathering. In case you haven't heard it yet, the gathering exists to bring glory to God through lives changed by the Gospel. Right? That's that's why we're here, and and I I talked to Pastor Garth. I'm like, what a great passage I get to, to illustrate our, our vision and our mission as a church. It's right here. Life change from here to here. Why? Because of the gospel. Because of the Spirit. Not because religious activity. Not because you came here every Sunday. Not because you wore something whatever. Not because you drive this. Not because of because of the Spirit of God. Because of the Spirit of God. I want to just quickly back up. There's a little note at the end of verse 21. Paul says this kind of scary thing where he says, I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things, talking about the sinful list, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Um, I remember growing up and reading that being like, oh my goodness, I did some of those things you know, one time. Does that mean I'm out? I got the boot from the kingdom. Right? Just to be clear, Paul is not talking about one act, a momentary uh, failure in the battle. He's talking about uh, an intentional practice of sinful living. He's talking about a habit of sinfulness, that this is how you define someone's lifestyle. Those types of people are not going to inherit the kingdom of God because they show by their actions, by their life, that the Holy Spirit is not within them. There is no life change. They're not born of God, and they're not His true children. That, that's what he's saying. Because those who are God's true children grow fruit, fruit of the Spirit as they live by the Spirit. Any gardeners or horticulturists out there today? Anybody like fruit trees? A few hands. You don't have a lot of uh, participation this morning, or just not a lot of fruit trees, I guess. <laughs> Anybody know anything about fruit trees? Is uh, it, You plant something, and the next day you don't have this apple tree that's just <laughs> abounding with apples, right? They, there's no instant, boom, there you go, done, Right? It's not like Star Trek. Oh, you know, apple pleats. Uh, I don't know where that came from. But a tree takes time to grow and fruit takes time to develop. Right? In the same way, we have to just remember that. Um, you may be a very new Christian or you, and, and you maybe have, have just come to faith and then maybe you see someone who's been walking with Jesus for years and you, and you can recognize fruit of the Spirit in them and you're like, oh, it's not all there in me yet. So be encouraged. It takes time. Or maybe you've been walking with Jesus for a long time and you're like, oh, you know, I, I have patience, but I feel like I need more. Well, that's the beautiful thing about the fruit of the Spirit. It's not really like some random checklist. Of like, patience, yeah, I got that done. I was patient today. All of them require more growth. And there's no ceiling of, of, of growth limit. It's just that as you continue to seek the Spirit, those qualities can grow and grow and grow and produce more and more fruit. It's very exciting. So be, in some sense, be patient with yourself, and, and let the Spirit work, and let that fruit grow bit by bit. Just look at a tree every now and again, and be like, it didn't just pop up there one day, right? It's a helpful reminder, which I think why Paul would use a word like fruit. But if you're, if you're here this morning, and you say, yes, I'm a believer, I'm a Christian, I, I've trusted in the gospel. I follow Jesus, I love Jesus. My question then is, can you look at your life and can you see life change? Can you see that growth at all? The last six months? The last year? The last two years? Five years? Ten years? It, it, is, there, is there fruit growing? Is, is there an increase in kindness? An increase in gentleness? An increase in peace? All these things. Can, can you look at those and say, man, Yes or no? Is, is, my, is my life marked by verses 22 and 23, fruit of the Spirit? Or is my life marked more by verse 19 to 21, these lists of sinful things? That's when we take stock in our lives. And we're like, okay. If my life is more marked by 19 to 21, then there's probably some cause for concern. But the good news is that there's grace and there's mercy and there's a call to come to Jesus and be forgiven and set free. Even Today. And if your life is is marked more by verse 22 and 23, then praise God and keep going. Keep living by the Spirit and and, and help others. Teach them what you've learned. Pass on what you've learned. Because verse 24 says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. It's stating that true believers are marked by verses 22 and 23. To say that we've crucified our, our desires crucified the flesh, it's another way of saying we've died to our old life. We've died to the old ways. We're following Jesus. We're going in this way by the Spirit's power and we're not turning back. We've been changed and we're learning to live by the Spirit. Those who belong to Christ Jesus. And then it says in verse 25, If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Or yours might say, let us keep in step with the Spirit. That's another way of him saying, if we've begun by the Spirit, it is the Holy Spirit who gives us faith to believe the Gospel, to respond, to be born again. If that's how we've started, which is kind of the only way to start if you truly believed in the Gospel, which is how the Galatians started. If you started that way, you started with faith in the Gospel and being born again by the Spirit of God, then keep living by the Spirit of God instead of going back to the law, instead of going back to these rituals, instead of getting hindered by all these things that are going to enslave you instead of set you free. Continue that way by faith. Continue that way by the Spirit. Don't give up. And don't don't let anybody, don't let yourself convince you that it's about your efforts It's about uh, you earning your way into heaven, your merits in God's salvation, or anything like that, and continue to be humble, continue to yield, continue to surrender, continue to walk by the Spirit. Don't let your strength, your pride take over. And one way that we're going to know that we're living by the Spirit, verse 26, being conceited, provoking one another, envying one another, If we're living by the Spirit, there's going to be a decrease in those things. Church-wide. Pride and conceit is going to go down if you're living by the Spirit. Provoking one another and having envy for one another, they're going to go down. As each of us seek to live by the Spirit, and then as a church, collectively, we try to live by the Spirit, there's going to be fruit that grows, and sinfulness will decrease. Again, not saying that you're never going to have a... A momentary defeat in the battle. We all, we all still struggle against sin, and there are times even you know, these great godly saints and people we look up to, that they still sin, everybody still sins. It is a battle, but we, we go back to Jesus, we go back and we ask for forgiveness, we ask, "Please help, please help as we want to grow." So today we've seen we've seen that all Christians, all believers, we have no other option. We must live by the Holy Spirit. We must live by the Holy Spirit in order to fight our sin, in order to grow in godliness. That, that, that is how Christianity works. And as we live, as we learn to live by the Spirit, we're going to learn to love one another. We're going to learn to serve one another. We're going to find that we have help in our fight against sin. God's very Spirit helps us to obey Him and say no to sin. And we're going to find that as we grow in godliness, we're going to experience life change. So my encouragement, my plea to all of us, to myself, as I prepare this, is like, oh my goodness, I have so much work to do in myself. God, please, so many things to shape and refine. All of us, so many things that we can grow in. But let's, let's seek this intentionally together, individually and together. Intentionally choosing God's ways instead of our own. Instead of our own. Let's pursue the fruit of the Spirit. And let's never stop giving God glory as the fruit grows, right? We exist to give glory to God through lives changed by by the Gospel of Jesus. So when life change happens, let's continue to give God the glory for it because He's the one who does the change in the first place. Let's pray together. Father, it's... It's exciting to read your word and to to see that you are about changing lives that it's possible for us to grow in godliness it's possible for us to say no to sin more often that it's your will that your spirit would come and dwell in us and, and change us and make us more like you and I pray that this morning your spirit would be working that'd be motivating us to to follow you more closely. Lord, I pray against any any thoughts even right now about I've got, to, I've got to work this all up in my own strength and I've got to strive to do this all on my own and I've got to please God by doing this, this, this. I pray, God, that your spirit will come and, and teach us your grace and show us that this these fruit grow from your power, that we do have a role to play. We do have to intentionally make these decisions, but it's you that, that grows the fruit in our lives. I pray for our church that we would be a, a church that's marked by the fruit of the Spirit. Always growing, always increasing. Praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.